Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. good to be back in this house with y'all. If you are here, yeah, you can clap for that. Clap right here. You did it. Look at you. You did it. You look great. It's so good. Whether you're here in this room physically or you're worshiping with us online, I know my mom did in the last gathering and she sent me some feedback, so thanks mom uh, for that. But uh, whether you're virtually or physically here with us, man, it's, I'm just so glad you're here and it's so good to be back here. My name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and uh, we've been on, as, as Jeannie mentioned, a little bit of a, a summer family break. We're so grateful to our elders that give us a little pause every summer as a family. And halfway through it or so, Jeannie and I were on a, a walk. We're getting to a stage in life where we like taking walks together. And so we were on a walk, and both of us commented, this is the most rested and replenished that we have felt in a long, long time. And we are coming back into the season so energized and so excited about what God's going to do. Uh, not only in and through us, but in and through this church specifically. This is a fun time to be at this church. And I just want to take a second to honor, and I want you to honor, our amazing Soul City staff who not only held it down, but moved this church forward the last couple weeks while we were away. So can we bless and honor them? It's like, the church gets better when we're gone, so we're just trying to find a reason uh, that they need us anymore. But, but what, what a great team, and we're so glad to be back with them as well. You know, I mentioned the, the fall season is we're kind of shifting to fall season. One of the things I'm so excited to be back for is Alpha. And uh, I'm excited because this round of Alpha, I get to be a table helper, which I'm very excited about, my friend Lewis's table. And if you're wondering what Alpha is, Alpha is a space for anyone with any spiritual questions that you might have. So I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, but if you've got questions, maybe you're kind of new to faith or maybe you're sort of coming back to faith, and you've got questions, or you know someone that's got, they keep asking you the big spiritual questions, you're like, I don't know what to say. Alpha is for you. Alpha is for them. It is an awesome opportunity. You get to share a meal together. You get to sit around a table and get to know people. It makes this church so much smaller, and you have a great place to ask the big questions of life. So Alpha kicks off in a couple weeks. There's always a QR code somewhere in the room, so you can scan that and get signed up. You do need to register for it, and I would encourage you, if it's you or a friend that you're bringing, just go to the first week, and just after that, you can decide if you want to continue. My hunch is you will, because it's such a great space here in our church. You know, it, it's like I said, it's nice to be back in church, and, and, and we were away for a while, and when we're away from church, from this church specifically, it just causes us to miss this church so much, and I, I actually miss you all. I mean, I love you all. We needed a break from you, but I did miss you. It's not you. It's us. I needed... I needed a break. And so we missed, but I missed this church while, while we were away. And the times when I miss this church the most is when we go visit other churches. I just notice some things, and I just really appreciate this church. Like, uh, uh, I don't know, Tamara, I don't know if I can say this. I'm going to say the story. But, so, okay, so this one church that we went to on our break, and I'm not going to say their name, but uh, our family visited this one church where it was absolutely impossible for us to find a parking space. I felt your pain. For those of you, like we drove around for 20 minutes, and if you thought parking at Soul City was bad, it makes our parking feel like a ballet service. It was rough. And then when we eventually found a, a bad spot and walked there, we walked through the front doors, and there was only one person in this whole big giant lobby. There's only one person there to, to greet us. And I don't even think this person liked people. I'm not even sure why. They, it felt like they were bothered that we were actually 
there. And so within the first 60 seconds, it became really obvious to me that this church does not care about first-time guests. And so then we're like, well, well let's just kind of, okay, let's get settled. And, and so we go in and we grab a coffee. And uh, boy, did it make me appreciate Soul City's coffee especially Viet Five coffee. If you haven't had our neighbors Viet Five's coffee down in the lobby, oh man, because this coffee, like, okay, like if there's a level below gas station coffee, this was seven levels below that. I mean, it was rough. And then, then, so we sat down and then the music started and like, if I thought they didn't care about first time guests, they clearly didn't care about any guests because it was rough. It was really bad. And the worship leader just didn't seem like they were prepared at all. And like for me, I'm like, obviously this church does not care about worshiping God, at least not with any discernible musical talent. And so at one point, no, it made me like so grateful for our worship because at one point I literally thought about pulling my AirPods out and putting on Soul City's latest worship album, which is available on all streaming platforms. And because I'm like, I got to do something. I got to do something. And then the preacher got up. Okay, so after the music and... The preacher gets up, and, and within the, I'm not kidding, in less than five minutes, you, it was obvious who this dude voted for in the last election. I'm like, oh, we're going, wow, we are in record time. We are getting there so fast. And it was, to me, it was kind of also one of those things, like, to me, it looks like he cared more about his outfit and his shoes than he did about the sermon he prepared. And that's not about me. That was about him. And so, and I'm like, oh, this guy clearly, I... You know, obviously, he's, he's got different priorities. And then the, the last thing, and I'll, then I'm done. I swear I'm done. The last thing was, it was obvious to me as I looked around that this church did not value the role of women in leadership. Because I looked around, and I went to their website. I didn't see one woman in any significant role of leadership. Didn't see one woman leading on stage except for there was a, key, there was a keyboard player who was a woman. And based on how she played, she, they shouldn't have let her on the stage. She should, there should have just been no women allowed on the stage based on how bad it was. Okay, can we pause for a second? <laughs> Quick poll, just by raising your hand. Who here feels uncomfortable right now after that most recent rant? Yeah, if you're not raising your hand, you don't have a soul. You need Jesus more than you know. Because I want to let you know before the onslaught of emails come to welcome me back in my inbox, I made that whole story up. That is not a real, yeah, thank God. I made all of that up. That is not, at least I hope that's not a real church. The truth is, on our break, I went to two wonderful churches with amazing people and pretty good coffee. So th th that story I absolutely made up. But how crazy, for those first few minutes, was it to see me standing up on the stage being that judgmental of another church? Be honest. Didn't it kind of feel like wrong? Like, should this guy be doing this? Like, can we bring the music back, please? Like, if this is what it means for him to come back, he can go again. I really don't. And if you're being honest, I bet, here's what, I, here's what's so crazy. I bet some of you were judging me while I was judging that made-up church. Right? So if you haven't guessed it by now, we're closing out this Toxicity in Me series by looking at one of the most familiar forms of toxicity in each and every one of us, judgmentalism. We're going to be unpacking and looking at judgmentalism today. And here's why it's so important that we actually talk about judgmentalism here in church. Because how can I say this without being judgmental? Christians are the worst when it comes to being judgmental. If I can just be honest and tell on ourselves a little bit, Christians have a very bad reputation of being very judgmental. In fact, last year the Episcopal Church did a nationwide study of American Christians and American non-religious people. And when they asked Christians to describe Christians, 
These are the top five words that Christians said about themselves. They said that we're giving, compassionate, loving, respectful, friendly. Doesn't that sound nice? Wouldn't you want to be a part of people like that? But then they asked the non-religious people to describe Christians. And their top five words, a little bit different. In order, hypocritical, judgmental, self-righteous, arrogant, and unforgiving. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no problem. No, we should be fine. Everything's fine. We'll be fine. Everything's fine. And that's not all. A few years back, the Barter Group did a survey of non-religious millennials. And the words that they used, they gave them a list of words to describe Christians. And do you know that at the top of the list, 87% of non-religious millennials said that Christians are judgmental. 85% said that they're hypocritical. And I bet 0% of us are surprised to hear any of that. When Jesus told his followers that they will know that we belong to him because of our love, I don't think this is what he had in mind. And I don't think any of us have any idea of the damage that we do when we justify our judgments of others. How it gives us this superficial sense of superiority over others. I can make myself feel better about me by tearing you down, whether I even know you or not. We have no idea how it corrodes and even kills our connection with others. And that's saying nothing for the self-hatred and harm that happens when the person that you cannot stop judging is you. Some of us are so hard on ourselves. Speak so poorly of ourselves to ourselves. This is some serious soul-stealing stuff. And we're going to get into it today. And look, I know, I know when we're in a series like this and we say, okay, we're going to look at the toxicity of judgmentalism, that it's really easy to assume that the simplest solution to it all, this persistent problem of judging, is just to stop judging. Well, if the problem is judging, let's just stop judging others. That should work, right? It's not a bad assumption, but if you think that that's the solution, just stop judging other people, don't, don't you think you would have done that by now? Like, Don't you think that would have been something, if it were that simple, you would have done it by now? See, what I want to do over the next few moments, based on the clear and consistent and compelling teaching of Jesus is see judgmentalism differently. To see all those issues that we all see in everyone else differently. Because what if, what, if, what if the issue that I see in you is honestly just an invitation to see it in me? You ever thought about judgmentalism that way before? What if the issue that I see in you is just an invitation to see it in me? What if that is what is going on? What if all of my judgments about you aren't even about you? It's all about seeing the places in me that I would rather not see. What if instead of wasting all of your time and energy and call-outs in the comment section and being critical of ultimately what you cannot control, what if you took radical responsibility for what you can control, the only thing you control, and which is always only you? Not them. It's you. That's the only thing you actually have control over in this world. So how do we do that? How do we see judgmentalism differently as an invitation, actually? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask. Grab a Bible, and we're going to look at a teaching of Jesus that clearly uh, like gives, according to those stats, 
clearly this part of the Bible wasn't included in the Bible of most American Christians, or these pages were ripped out because if we had read this, we would have done it, and things would be seen differently about us. But I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. It's on page 788. So you see a lot of people bending over right now if you're in this room. That's to grab a Soul City uh, Bible. You can turn to page 788 in the Soul City Bible. If you don't have a Bible, look, literally, right in front of you, there's a Bible in your chair. Just pull up. And you can turn to Matthew 7, page 788. Let me give you some context as to where we're at at this point of the story of Jesus. We're kind of coming towards the tail end of the most famous sermon in all of human history, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is describing what life with God and life with others is meant to be like. And in Matthew 7, 3, Jesus uses a profound picture to touch on that toxic tendency in all of us. Matthew 7, 3 says this. I'm going to have you shout out some words, okay? So get ready, because it's like you're going to engage, right? So get ready. Answers are on the board. Why do you look at the, what does he say? Why do you look at the what? Why do you look at the, thank you, the speck. You guys did better than 930. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother or sister or friend's eye, patriarchy? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in their eye and pay no attention to the what? To the, thank you, to the giant plank in your own eye. Have you ever heard this one before? Have you ever heard this teaching of Jesus before? It's so brilliant. Why do you, Jesus is saying, why do you focus on that little thing in them that ultimately you have no control over, all the while missing the massive thing in you that you actually do? Jesus goes on to say this. How can you say to your brother, your sister, your friend, let me take the what? Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a what? There is a plank in your own. This is a brilliant image, and I want you to get how profound this simple little teaching of Jesus actually is and how it might change your life. So I've asked my friend Tim Kim to come on out. He should be here any minute. Now there's Tim Kim. Let's welcome Tim Kim up to the stage. Buddy, Tim is one of the most generous and giving and selfless people in the world, and I'm going to use an illustration that says none of those things about him. For the next few minutes. So I want you to know that I love this man and I'm inspired by this man, but I'm about to tear him down. So, Tim, you have with you a little speck, a little like sawdust little speck. Can you everyone see that? No, of course you can't. So Tim's going to hold that because that's going to represent the issues that I have and how I judge him. And I I got something for me, actually, that that I want to use that helps illustrate this. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a plank out for myself. Thank you. And I'm going to... Do what Jesus was exactly talking about. This is what we do. We see the speck in someone else. We go, oh my gosh, can you believe Tim? Can you just believe like every time, like all the time, he's late all the time. Can you believe like he obviously doesn't value our team. He obviously doesn't value this time because he's always late. And he's always playing golf. Does he care about anything in the world other than golf? Oh my gosh, Tim. And I have all my judgments. Watch it, Tim. All my, he's getting jumpy. All my judgments about him. I'm focusing on the littlest, smallest things about him when all the while I've got this in the way of my own life. It's so much easier for me to focus on his little blind spots, and it's way more easy for me to be blind to my own. And let's be honest, it's far more fun to fixate on that little thing in them rather than focus on yourself first. Jesus says this is what is going on every time you judge someone else. You're focusing on the tiniest speck and missing the biggest thing in you. Can we thank Tim? You nailed it, Tim. No splinters. Good job. This is what, okay, so this is what I do every time that I focus and fixate on every little flaw in Jeannie and I ignore how I contribute to whatever conflict we may find ourselves in. 
This is what you do when, when you see someone online or you see someone on social and it, you trigger all of your own sort of inadequacies and insecurities. And, and, and rather than just facing those inadequacies and insecurities you feel about yourself and inviting Jesus into them, what do you do? No, you judge that other person and knock them down to make you feel a little bit better about yourself. This is what we do when we make blanket and belittling comments about political leaders and political parties rather than just surrendering to our own shortcomings, to realizing that actually, contrary to popular belief, you're not perfect, and you don't have it all figured out. And rather than surrendering those to Jesus, we'd rather just keep the plank in our own eye and keep on judging them. This, sadly, this is how most people spend most of their time, especially online. This is how so, I wish this weren't so, this is how so many Christians treat so many people so often. But Jesus says there is a better way. There's a far better way. Let's look at the great physician's prescription to those of us who may suffer from plank eye. This is what he says in Matthew 7, 5. He says this. He says, and he beats the, all those stats to the punch. Jesus said it first. He said, you hypocrite. He said it. He's like, why are you, you're being a hypocrite. You are saying something that you're not willing to do. You're doing something that you did not say. You're a hypocrite. First, he says, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother, your sister, your friend's eye. See, when I focus on the, the flaws in you, whatever my issue is with you, when I focus on the flaws in you, I miss the work God wants to do in me. I miss the plank that I've got going on in my own eye. I miss what's mine to own. I miss what's mine to actually grow in. And you want to know what the craziest thing about all this is? Is all those flaws that I focused on in you are actually things about me that I don't want to see. I'd rather just see them in you. All those things that you can't stand of, about them is often the very thing Jesus wants you to face in you. See, with this whole teaching that Jesus gives, this simple yet profound transformational image that Jesus gives us, is really honestly just this. Jesus invites you to reflect instead of project. That's if you wanted to Sum up this whole teaching. That's it. Jesus invites you to reflect rather than just project on everyone else all of your judgments. What do you think would happen if you actually paused for a second to reflect on you instead of just projecting whatever you feel about them? What do you think the reputation of Christians might be in the world if we were known for our self-reflection rather than all of our projections on others. See, there's a little uh, phrase in, in popular psychology you might have heard of that I think helps us kind of get the idea, really, what Jesus said first. And, and when any time that, that our judgments are kind of going on within us and we're starting to go off and get all revved up and riled up, there's a little phrase that might help you kind of remember what's really going on here. And the phrase is, spot it, got it. You ever heard that before? Spot it, got it. What does that mean? That means if I see it in you, guess what? I got it in me. I've probably got it in me. The reason that I'm so, I, I am so quick to recognize it in you is probably because I'm far too familiar with it in me. Spot it, got it. That's the brilliance of Jesus' teaching here because that little speck 
of sawdust. You know what's so crazy? That little tiny speck of sawdust that you get all worked up on, that you get all fired up on, that you try and rally people around you. Can you believe? Can you believe? Do you know what ultimately at the end of the day, that little piece, that speck of sawdust actually came from the plank that's in your own eye? It's just a piece of the plank in your own eye. That's why Jesus says, no, 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 pause, reflect. Rather than just jumping to projections, because what you spot in them, that's something probably that you've got in you. That little speck of sawdust isn't actually even sawdust. Do you know what it ultimately is? It's a mirror. That thing that you look at and you cannot help but see in them and judge about them, what if you saw that actually as a mirror? Say, okay, how is that in me? How is that, how is that true of me? How do I do that? That is far more transformational than just simply writing people off with all your judgment. Now, I would love to tell you that the reason they asked me to give this message today is because I've mastered this principle. I have not. In fact... This week, just in the middle of the week, while I was working on and preparing the notes for our time together this weekend, I took a pause from my writing, and I, and I did something that I, I should not have done. So some of you may or may not know that over a month ago, I quit all social media, just got off of it all, and it has been the best, most liberating thing in the world. We act as though that's not possible. We lived thousands of years without it. You can be okay without it for a couple weeks, and it's been the most liberating thing in the world for me. So now I have very little use for my phone. So, like, I go to open my phone, I'm like, check my email. No, no one sent me an email. Oh, shoot, no one cares about me. Close that. What's the weather? Oh, it's still 79 degrees. Okay. The only thing left to do at that point is check the news, and it's usually the same headlines every day, and so I'm scrolling through like it's a social feed of the news, and I come across this article about a, a pretty famous pastor. I've never met. I've never met. been in the room with him, but I've never met him. And the most recent things that I judged that he said to be incredibly toxic, my judgment, incredibly toxic. And it's things that he's kind of said before, he just said it more intensely now about the role of women in the home and in the church and all his, just going, his very aggressive personality, going off, going off, going off. And then he talked about how men should be more like him and he kind of painted his alpha male picture of, you know that phrase toxic masculinity? Mm -hmm, sounds like that. And so I'm sitting here reading this article of the things he said, and then he starts going off on men who aren't like him and these other men who are alpha males and how Jesus had wants nothing to do with them. And I'm like, yo, you're a pastor. What are you doing? And so I instantly start judging this guy that I've never met personally. And I just start, in my head, I start going off, oh, God, give me a chance. Let me be in the room again, Lord, because I got some stuff to say. I'm ready. I'll come ready this time. And then I did something as I kind of got a halfway through the article and I was getting so frustrated and so angry. Like, how is this, how are we even doing this in 2023? I did something I should not have done and I deeply regret. I went to the comment section of the article. I know, confession. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great trip for me because what I saw in the comment section were people like me who I thought had it right judging this pastor for his most recent comments. But that wasn't the end of it. Because then people would come on after them and judge the people who were judging the pastor. And then I would read their comments and I would judge the people who were judging the people who were, we had like a judge-a-palooza going on 
in this whole little space, and I'm five minutes in, and I'm so wrapped up in the middle of preparing a sermon on judgment, and the Holy Spirit, thank God, came to me in that moment and said, yo, hold up, wait a second. How is this actually not even about him? How is this about you? And I'm so grateful in that moment, I said, well, it's not, okay? You're wrong, see you later, beat it. And I told the Holy Spirit to take off. The Holy Spirit didn't take off, just kept sitting on me. No, but how is this, how do you have that in you? And as I sat there, I'm like, well, I'm not like him, nothing like him. And then I sat and realized, oh no, I can be, I can actually be really abrasive at times. I can just be so convinced that I'm right, that I'm just like, just, if you, the sooner you get on board, the better we're all gonna be. Being so stubborn. I can be so dogmatic at times, but I, I can do it in a nice way so you don't realize till afterwards, like, oh, wow, that was actually kind of rude. I can be so locked into my way of, my current view of things that I'm convinced that me and God got it all figured out. And I can judge anyone else who doesn't see it my elevated way. I got it in me. In an in, in alternate universe, I'm him. I could be the same, I could be the same way. Because I got that stuff in me too. Did it look, does it look the exact same? No, of course, no, of course not. But boy, I could find the threads. I could find his little speck led me right back to some planks in my own eye. And it came from that question from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but how is this, how is this true of you? Can you can you imagine for a moment if you what might happen this week if you saw every instance of judgment that begins to rise up in you as honestly just an invitation for introspection for you, to just pause and reflect. When you start fixating on the tiny little specks in other people, you pause to actually focus on what might be going on in you. Do you have any idea how much more free you would feel? Do you have any idea what would happen if you traded your triggers for transformation? And rather than becoming all self-righteous, just like I did, so self-righteous, what if you became self-reflective? Do you have any idea what a power move that is? What a gateway to, to God's grace and to real growth in your life. And so to help each of us, starting with myself, to help each of us recognize with the toxicity in, in, in each and every one of us, coming out of this simple yet profound teaching of Jesus, I want to offer you a formational phrase that might help you grow deeper in your relationship with God this week. And that phrase is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. It's really simple. Anytime you find it riling up in you, just ask the question, how is that true of me? How is that, whatever it is that you're judging them for, there they go again, I can't believe it, they're always like, how is that, it's not even, how is that true of me? When you begin to spot it in them this week, whoever they are, ask God where you've got it in you. How is this true of me? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not even about them. God's just somehow in his glory and his goodness using them as a mirror for me to see what I don't want to see, to see what I need to see. So would you be willing, would you be willing this week when your spouse does that thing that drives you insane or your partner does that thing, you know that thing. I mean, you don't have to say it out loud, but you know that thing that they do where they just start like tap dancing on your last nerve. 
and you're getting all revved up, and you're getting all your judgments ready, what if you just pause and said, well, how is that true of me? How do I, how do I bring that into our relationship? Or when you're scrolling through social media and, and you feel judgment jumping behind the wheel of someone you've probably never met or never will meet, wait, how is this thing that I'm judging them for a thing to pay attention to in me? When you're watching the news or reading the news this week and you find yourself getting all revved up and all riled up because that's really all they want you to feel, how is it true of me? This thing that I want to project onto them, God, might you be inviting me to reflect on where it is in me? Would you be willing to do the work to make that spiritual shift this week to see their issue as an invitation? to ask that question that I believe can lead to real transformation. How is that true of me? And as you do, my hope and my prayer is that you would come to the altar of Jesus Christ and you would see that you need far more grace than you realize. I'm so quick to judge. I need God's grace more than you know. And maybe that person that you cannot stop judging is yourself and you keep putting yourself down, and you keep beating yourself up, would you be willing this week to just come to the altar and say, God, help me see me like you see me. Help me not only see in me what I don't want to see, help me see me like you see me. And as you do, my hope and prayer is that you would experience the grace of God that's big enough to not only cover your plank, but to cover the speck in the lives of others. How is it true of me? That's what I want to pray over each of us. So if you'd be willing, would you stand right now? I want to pray for us. And if you're here in this room and you're able to, would you stand? And those of you who are with us online, would you join us in prayer? We we love to, if you're new around here, we'd like to pray with our hands open. We just think that says so much more to God. So it's like, whatever you got, God, I want it. And whatever I've got, it's yours. So we'd like to pray with our hands open. If you'd be willing to take that posture, would you do that right now? And I'd love to just pray over me and over us right now. Jesus, thank you for this just simple and yet transformational teaching, that such a perfect image, how easy it is for us to fixate on the faults of others rather than focus on what you want us to pay attention to, what you want to transform in us. And so Jesus, I pray this week that as we feel it coming up, as we find ourselves so easily, so naturally judging others, that we would see that as an invitation to just simply ask the question, How's that true of me? What's going on here? What do you want me to see in me, Jesus? And God, I pray as we get to that point that we would not then heap judgment on our judgments. But we would just fall to our knees and say, oh, I need you. Yeah, me too. I need your grace. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your freedom. I need your perspective on me and on others. I need you. I come to the altar as I am. Help me be who you created me to be. Help me to see in me what I don't want to see so that I can be all of who you created me to be. That's our prayer. That's our hope. As we come to you in this moment and all throughout the week, in your name we pray. Amen.